Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org where you will find several speaker feeds with over 800 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. The opinions expressed on the Light a Candle podcast are those of individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Ira. Hi, everyone. My name is Aaron. I'm a compulsive reader. Um, I'd like to thank Aaron for asking me to share. Um, I, uh, June 7th, if I make it, will be 34 years and nine months of abstinence and sobriety. Um, I am a 100-pounder. I have had to lose the last weight that I know of was around... Uh, 325, 330. The problem was my driver's license lied when I came into the program because it says it said that I was 511 and weighed about I, I think it was 248 or 260 or something like that. But the important thing to know is it's, I've never been over 57 in my life. <laughs> okay. And my sponsor who just passed, I had a sponsor for 32 years, Marty Burns. And he just passed after fighting cancer. And it was one of the most graceful things I ever saw. But um, he used to, he, what he first said to me was, that's what we do, I we lie. You know, I was listening to the preamble, the mission statement. My problem is, as an addict, I'm self-obsessed. That's my problem. And all of this chaos that comes out of that, even in good causes, comes from that. And what all I can share with you is my experience. For instance, it isn't so much that somebody has 35 years or this. It's what do you do with your life in the 35 years? You're not using the stuff that you used to do. In my case, it was lots of food, lots of steaks, lots of raw meat, lots of um, bourbon. You know, whenever I couldn't deal with it, it was their fault, and I, you know, and I got to get away from that. And when, like, I am the secretary of an AA book study that's the best that I've ever been to. And one of the guys who has a lot of time said, you know, when you have a problem, there's a step for that. They don't talk about tools, they talk about the steps. And I, I was taught to read two pages of the big book every day, reread it, put it down. Because, like, my, Marty knew that I wanted to figure, I want to understand this stuff. Because if I can understand this, then I can control it. And that's different as a, as a compulsive overeater or bulimic or whatever. Somebody's addicted to food. That's different than normal people. And the example that I use is, like, Thanksgiving for us. Because everybody in America overdulges on Thanksgiving, or most everybody. And we all get up feeling like cheesy and queasy and I ate too much. And normal people, uh, that is people who are not addicted to food, say the same thing. Uh, we say the same thing. I'm going to watch what I eat today. I'm going to go out in the sun. I want to feel better. I'll take a couple of aspirin for my head. Thing is, as a 100-pounder overeater, I say the same thing every Thanksgiving except... And within five minutes of saying that, I'm back at the refrigerator now eating stuff that's cold and greasy. 
that's going to make the Yibam feel even worse. And then, while I'm eating, I'm saying, why am I doing this? What Marty told me is the reason I do it is because you're a compulsive overeater. Not because of like what happened in your past. Not because of, uh, you know, it's like the big book is very clear. And I'm not going to lecture you. You know, it's like there's so many ladies here. I'm happily married, but I, I have this feeling that I'm going to say something. And all of a sudden, darts are going to be thrown. You know, it's just like, and that's my problem. It's not yours. But um, I, there was a guy named Al Marine who made his drinking career living under Santa Monica Pier. And he was a tough guy, tough old Mexican guy. And I was at a men's stag once. He said, Ira, he says the purpose of sharing is to inspire the alcoholic. Like that. It's like, you know, but he didn't rip me any. So I was cool, you know. Um, but that's the point. Like, we get up here. It, you're not applauding for me, for somebody's birthday, for their birthday. You're applauding for the fact that for X amount of time, be it 30 days, 5 years, 15 years, Overeaters Anonymous has enabled somebody to recover and survive and flourish when nothing else worked. That's what you're applauding for. Like, I've been to meetings all over the world, and the only places that we applaud are here in South Beach, Florida. <laughs> and, I, and I'm having been in the entertainment business, you know, which I am, uh, my music has never been more successful than it is now. And I'm writing legit stuff, and I've been nominated for all kinds of things. I will also share with you that nine years ago I was diagnosed with MS, and I still work out, and last Monday I was diagnosed with Parkinson's. However, things are great. You know why? Because, like, the prognosis, because I have been trying to take care of myself, the neurologist told me, he said, how it's manifested itself instead of, like, uh, you know, heavy shaking, my left side, my left arm, is stiff, and it's, it's uh, weak, and the motor control isn't there. Therefore, the prognosis is good. And gave me a medicine called dopamine, which is naturally made by the, you know, by your brain. And um, he thinks that I, this can be solved. And so I'm 70 years old. I got two two major neurologic conditions, and I'm here talking to you. And I'm in pretty good shape because of this program. See, the only way you can carry a message, you can't deliver it to anybody. The only way you can carry it is the example you set. So if you say, and, and there's this guy, Bill Fisher, Bob Fisher, who is the um, uh, literature guy in the valley for AA. Very genial guy. And he said once I was up to pick up some literature, he said one thing we, and you can put compulsive over it, but he said alcohol. One thing we alcoholics are very, very good at is being offended. Okay. If you think about all the stuff that we go through and all this trying to make it okay for everybody, it's like, it's up to you whether you want to recover. Nobody can make you recover. Nobody can keep you from recovering. Nobody can make me recover. Nobody can keep me from recovering. Because if I make it about give somebody, you know, like Molly, she's my higher power now. And it's like, you know, if the, if the problem is, is that whatever life I have left, and like I say, I'm 70 now, and I came in when I'm 34, so I've been at abstaining longer 
more than half of my life. You know, and that may not be important to you, but it's something for me, you know. And this whole thing about, well, we're all equal. Yes, we're all equal, but we're not the same. And the whole idea of the stories in the book, uh, my story was in the second edition of the OA book. It was the eighth story in the second edition. I'll have copies available at the table. No, it's just... <laughs> um, uh, and naturally, when they decided to rewrite the whole book, I got indignant inside for about a half an hour. How can they do that? You know, they shouldn't be doing it like, like... And the truth was, is I wanted my story to stay in there. But... The difference is, I don't have to act on it. And that's what you taught me with food, and that's what you taught me with other things. It's how you behave. It's not what you feel. It's how you behave. Because that's how the world looks at us. Like there's a story, it's only like in, uh, some, some guy says to his friends in Times Square at noon, I'd like to see what it's like if I go streaking across Times Square stark naked. So, he does. The crowd gathers, they start laughing. Bellevue comes, that's the mental hospital. They take him away. And he says, why are you taking him away? He says, because you're acting crazy. He says, I'm not crazy, I was just wanting to see. Yeah, but what you did is crazy. See, so he got hauled away. You dig what I'm saying? It's not like intense, yes, consciousness. And, and a, a good friend of mine, old friend of mine, Mel Hirsch, who used to say, it's not like about step three. It's not the decision you make that's important is the consciousness behind it that's important. You know. Now, we can overanalyze this stuff till we're blue in the face. But, you know, my AA sponsor used to tell me, Ira, and I've had great sponsorship. A sponsor, by the way, is somebody you can talk to for real. And you don't have to, like in the case of my sponsor, Joe, that's throwing me into AA, which got me into here, uh, I was working with him there and ultimately Marty here but like after about eight years uh, seven and a half years one Saturday Joe says to me and I've done everything he asked me to do and he said I think I'm your sponsor aren't I? And I said I think you are too. The word sponsor is not you don't find it in any of the first 164 pages of the book. The first story that is in that I'm aware of is called A Vicious Cycle where um, this guy who later we find out is named Ed, who was a shoe polish salesman, said his sponsor, Jackie. And then he went out. And, and so the whole point of what I'm trying to say is that you, we all need someone to talk to. That in order for me to manifest step one, we admitted we were powerless over food, and there's a comma, not an and, that our lives had become un unmanageable. What that implies is, if I am overeating, my life is unmanageable. It's not like, well, I'm, everything else is going so well and I'm overeating. If I'm really an addicted to food and I'm using, no matter what's going on, my life has gotten crazier. And, and so how I manifest taking that step, now I've had to write on all of them, is to ask somebody for help. Not just saying, I'm a compulsive overeater. Expecting the whole world to know what that is, even people, especially people who are not here. But when I ask for help, is how I manifest step one. You know. Now, the point is, I have the right 
and you know we don't you know I talk about we don't really have any rights and you know because we forfeited our right to eat and all that stuff but like if somebody tells me to do something like a sponsor or gives an opinion I have the duty to myself and to the relationship to ask what was it like for you because the whole idea of this is to get us to come clean. To get honest about what's really bothering us. That's when the recovery begins. You know, and yes, it's incremental and everybody doesn't get it. In fact, I got a very good piece of advice a long time ago. Never expect anybody else to be where you're at. You know. And, and so, you know, some of you will hear this. Some of you won't. Some of you will hear it, like it. Some of you will hear it, not like it. Doesn't matter. The point is, is how am I going to survive? Like I, I say to the guys I sponsor, it's not about your sens sensibilities; it's about your survival. You know. So the idea of me now, my food has also, on occasion, been sloppier. In fact, I, I cleaned it up after I got this diagnosis. It, it was very interesting. Was, nobody told me to clean anything up. I was in, uh, I saw an ant turn 90 in Raleigh, North Carolina. Saw my brother who looked terrific. He's not one of us. And I uh, asked him what he was doing. And I, I know what I was overeating, like too much oil, too much salt, you know, too many sunflower seeds, you know, all this kind of stuff, which, you know, and I call my food in every day. You know, there is no perfect, by the way. There is no perfect. People in here are really fans of calling themselves perfectionists. If we were really perfectionists, we'd all be at perfect size, perfectly made up. Uh, everything would uh, uh, coordinate beautifully. We would always say the right thing. What it is, is people-pleasing. It's looking for somebody to validate who I am. And what the program says, since the third tradition says that the only requirement for my membership is a desire to stop using food compulsively, when that, that's it. And the first time I saw that, actually at AA meeting, how I read into the third tradition was they can't kick me out. That's how little self-esteem I had when I came in. I found that it's, it's affected every part of my life. Like I say, I'm a music writer in the business. And over the last few years, uh, I, it's been fortunate enough to teach. I've been fortunate enough to teach and gotten some commissions, concert commissions. And... Um, all the things I thought I wanted have happened. That is, that people are coming to me, telling me, boy, you're terrific. We might want you to be a composer in residence in North Texas. You know, I mean, stuff like that. And I'm not chasing after it. And I'm still going to die sooner or later. See? And that's probably the biggest fear of all. I think, for me, the God thing, every, all the negative stuff that happens is a result of fear. You know, what do we say... Uh, Face everything, recover, and all that. I, I came up one with one for us. Fry everything and reheat. Um, um, but fear is it, and that's where a higher power comes in. Because I can't do this stuff by myself. So, how do I manifest it when I don't know what it is? Well, the first thing to do is to connect with other people who, where it seems to be working in a way like there's fellowship. I don't know about you. Certainly I, both as a drinker and as an eater, was a loner. I did all my stuff in my apartment. You know, I mean, I occasionally drink at bars or at gigs when I was playing trumpet, but most of it was 
most of the damaging stuff was at my apartment. Like eating, like I remember, for instance, uh, I lived in Panorama City, two blocks west of Van Nuys Boulevard. There was a seeds candy, and I'm not even a sugar eater. I like meat, I like potatoes, all that stuff, but I wanted to kill the taste of the grease. So I would go and buy like uh, three quarters of a pound of butterscotch squares, which are raw sugar, right? Eat them on the way and be done on the way home, then kill it with like two or three bourbons and sevens. Then wonder why I woke up feeling so crappy. You know. But I wanted to get up in time for my then ex-wife, now ex-wife, who was coming home from work to show her how creative I was. See? That's crazy. That's crazy. See, what do we say? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting results to be different this time. Or another way of saying a psychotic is comfortable with the idea of two and two being five. A neurotic will conceive that two and two is four, but hates it. You know. You know. And, and that's the point. It's like this stuff of needing approval. You do this. I do this for me. I'm here to keep myself abstinent and sober and straight. Not to impress you. The idea is, of the 35 years, is if it can happen to me, since this is an anonymous program, it can happen to anybody else in here, too. It's not, it's not that, well, 35 years is no... It's not about that. I, I hear people say, well, I don't count. You know, I, like what I was taught is the reason you do is to inspire other people. That's it. If you're worried about yourself, that's a good reason not to do it. If you don't think you should take a chip, this is what I was taught. If you don't think you should take a chip, don't get up and take one. You know, take it when you feel like you want to take it. You know, there's no, there's nobody can, like the other thing that Joe told me, who was a tough guy from Pacific Group, he used to tell me, Ira, these mistakes you make are not crimes, they're errors. We, I hear people in here, especially, beat the, the hell out of themselves for things that are mistakes. The idea is to write the mistakes. And in terms of making amends, it's make amends where necessary. But, you, but the steps are in order for a reason. I think, you know, steps four and five, eight and nine, are probably the most important for my ability to live in this world. And it's a crazy world now. We know that. It feels a lot of times like, uh, you know, the earth is moving underneath. You know, uh, ideals that we used to have. You know, it seems things are called into question these days, you know. But the point is, I still have to go on no matter. It doesn't matter. See? And, and I worked out yesterday. And I have less tremor than I did because this sucker was shaking like crazy. And it's because I did what I was told. I went to my doctor. One of the things I found out from the program is I'm not a doctor. So I got no business telling a doctor what I think he should be doing. Okay. And I've had uh, bad medicine, too. I had a, a, a guy do a procedure on me that took four procedures to relieve. And I have a permanent uh, uh, side effect because of what this guy did. And I sent him a legal letter, but like, I really do I want to sue the guy or not? You know, that kind of stuff. The truth is, I can't make anybody do anything. So what happens is the longer I'm around, 
the more things, the longer one is around absent, the more things you face absent that you didn't face before. And what I don't need to hear is how long somebody's been around. I need, I need to learn, like I needed a divorce sponsor from my first wife. We were wrong for each other. But I didn't know until I came into the program. She uh, came into the program. You know, she was doing meetings, but not really doing it, you know. So, but I needed somebody, and I found somebody to tell me, because I was scared to death to go to a courthouse in Van Nuys, and um, to tell me, just do this first, then do this, under no sense. And I did what I was told, and it worked out. You know. The point is, I can keep my head held high, because I didn't do anything that I feel guilty over. The only guilt I felt was, you know, which would come back as, well, gee, you know, she's not that bad. I should, you know, I did. This was not like a battle. This, like, I was paying alimony to somebody who was making more money than me with no children because she happened to work for a lawyer. And I made the mistake of using that, of letting that lawyer dictate, you know, it was, it was a whole thing. I didn't take responsibility. That's my part. That, that's the other thing. Uh, Marty gave me a great object lesson. Do you guys remember in about 1996-1997 this old guy drove up on Santa Monica Promenade injured about 18 people killed about 5 or 7 so Marty asked me after that or one time he brought it up he asked me he says what was the part of the people who, who got injured or died played and I got real mad at him I said it wasn't their fault he said I didn't say fault I said, part. What was their part? And I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. I can't figure it out. He said, I read that they chose to be there. In other words, what about the people, for instance, who were going to get up on the promenade but turned right beforehand? See, you, we have a part. The point of that is everything that happens to me, one way or the other, I have a part of. This idea that it's not my fault, I'm so kind, I'm so sweet, I'm so sensitive, to only, you know, it's like the, the big book says something. In fact, maybe, maybe this is a good quote. Ten minutes? Great. Um, oh, here. Let me find this quote, which is in uh, to the, the family afterward. I love this one. It's in, you, can't, you, can get, you, can, you can get mad at me, but don't get mad at the big book because it's written in here. <laughs> Oh, here it is. This is the uh, one, two, third paragraph on 125 of the big book and to the wives. Another, okay, let's see. A man may criticize or laugh at himself and it will affect others favorably, but criticism or ridicule coming from another often produces a contrary effect. Members of the family should watch such matters carefully for one careless, inconsiderate remark has been known to raise the very devil. We alcoholics are sensitive people. It takes some of us a long time to over outgrow that serious handicap. In other words, sensitivity, like I'm such a flower, nobody better touch me, is not a virtue, especially in this world. That's what that's telling me. That if I'm, a, if I'm an anonymous member, like I said, well, Joe used to say to me, this guy, my, my sponsor used to, we had the kind of relationship where, you know, I would tell him anything. And he used to say to me, I remember he says, you can rob, rape, pillage, murder, perversion, anything. I'll listen to anything you have to say, except eight words are going to make me upset. They are. But you don't understand. My case is 
different. Those are the only eight words he said was going to make him mad. And this is where I'm coming from. Okay, this is my my experience. I can't demand that anybody of you get it, but what I do want to see, what I love to see, is overeaters now must grow and thrive and become big like Alcoholics Anonymous has. Um, and I was here, our biggest, uh, I think when we had the most meetings was like the early 90s, because I think L.A., you know, I'm from the Valley. Uh, L.A. had about 140, 150 meetings a week. Uh, I think the Valley had about 120, 110. And it's gone, it went, you know, things come and go. There are circumstances, but we can watch, we can see, are we carrying the message? What is the message? That you can recover from compulsive overeating. You know, that you can recover from bulimia or whatever. I mean, I'm not differentiating. The question is, how do you do that? There's a step for that. The whole point, this is like uh, in this study, we've, this guy named Thomas, who had been around forever, started this meeting and divides the, the big book into 35 different sections and you study it and everybody gets to share on a paragraph and so on. It's terrific. Um, but it was pointed out that two-thirds of the first 164 pages of the big book are about how to help other people starting with working with others, and that every, everything else is a, is a prelude to that. And so one of the, the, the spiritual, like, like what Joe used to also say, is the road to the goal is the goal. It does not say the road to, the ha- to happy destiny, it says the road of happy destiny. And the only reason I know this is because I was told to read it. And I didn't, the, the advice I got from him especially was not keep coming back, it was keep an open mind. You know. And you bring the body, the mind will follow. There's no doubt about that. No doubt about that. You bring the body, the mind will follow. But um, sometimes, you know, it's scary. That's what a vision for you is about. I'm all alone. What do I do with this now that I have it? I want to keep it. And that's what a vision for you is. You know, you, the alcoholic who's sober, you know, and so the steps are all about me learning about myself so I can better and more effectively help somebody else. The problem is being self-obsessed. I don't want that. I want something to fix whatever I think is uncomfortable, which, by the way, is still me trying to run it, you know. I have no idea, like, you know, it's funny, it's a simple thing, like, I live in Calabasas, when I got on the 101, it got up as far as 95 degrees, okay, do I turn on my air conditioning or not, or just leave it to the end, traffic was moving okay, and I was, I had gone through this whole thing of, where I live, it's actually geographically makes more sense to take Topanga down to the coast and, and back, right, but I figure beach traffic, right, and my point is, is that the minute, not only did I get here on time, but the minute that I, we started going up the hill, temperature dropped. You know, and I was not going to, I was going to go the other way to avoid the free, you know. That's how, and what I'm trying to say to you is that's how self works. It's, it's, it's not, it's like, okay, I mean, it's, it, I try, like, first of the, 
one thing that Joe said to me, he said, if you're not sure what to do, this is when your higher power is involved, don't do anything. The inspiration will come. Like what I learned, and I studied Kabbalah, which is the mystical part of my religion, which was an 11-step experience for five years. But, but that teacher used to say, God is like the wind. It's like all of a sudden, call your sister. What was that? That's God. If I'm trying to figure out whether or not to call my sister, I'm using my head. The problem with using my head is when I make a decision based on what's in my head, I cause myself and other people chaos, even in a righteous cause. So the idea is, how do we help each other? So the thing to do is ask somebody around you, how are you doing? Even for that second, you may not be, you won't be thinking about yourself. And you know what you're going to find out? If it's like me, you'll feel better. The problem is, I don't want to feel better. I want the world to make, give me what I want. That's the problem. The solution is, so what? See, like you've got a birthday coming up. You know, the, the OA birthday, it's great. I have my feelings about it. I've been involved with doing music for it. I've been to 16 World Service Conferences. I've done all that stuff. And how my behaviors changes, I'm not in there trying to get it my way, trying to fix it anymore. I'm too old for that. You know, I'm just another over here. I like the Jim story in here. It's the first black story in here. He says at the end, we didn't save the world, but we did help a few people. If that's the best, you know, like the way I say it this way is that when I came in here, and maybe my friend Roy over there can attest to this, I was 110% selfish and self-centered. Now that I'm in my 35th year, I'm down to 96% selfish and self-centered. You know? But there is time when I'm actually thinking about, like even my wife, you know, like we, you know, we have a, a passionate relationship and a lot of issues have come up. I became a grandfather. She's beautiful, you know, and, and like stuff comes up. But I actually started to think about, geez, she must be feeling this. Rather than that, God, another time I'm going to have to do, you know, that stuff. See? And so it's, it's, it's progress. That's progress, not pro spiritual progress. It doesn't say perfection. It says spiritual progress. What's the spiritual progress? I come in selfish and I want, I want, I want, and that's why I'm overusing. Two, and is what AA say, becoming a respected member of society. In other words, somebody who's okay with the way things are and just contributes where we can. That's the, the spiritual progress. And we learn in here, since nobody can kick us out, so we get to make the mistakes, whatever mistakes, and you're still loved and welcomed here, is uh, how to help other people. You want to stay absent? Help other people. There's an old saying in AA, if uh, you've got 30 days of sobriety, you can help somebody with 29. You don't have to take everybody through an in, uh, uh, inventory, if you, especially if you hadn't done one. You know, that's an ego trip. The, the idea of like, well, I'm full. What is that? You know, I never understood that. I mean, I mean, it's like, it's not about that. It's about that the rest of my life works directly into the proportion that I'm willing to give myself to this, not the other way around. So if I'm too busy... To take a call, chances are I'm on my way to a binge or a drink or something. See? No, I don't go, go. I went to 70 meetings in the first month. It was the only place I felt sane and welcomed. Now, you know, it's two or three a week. 
I do what I can in service. I, I try and show up. I'm treasurer at uh, a book study. And that's it. Thank you.